0: Continue to be a catalyst for whatever mission God has called you to, because it's always bigger than us. And if we really think about spaces and places that we're in, lean into the uncomfortable. Don't run from it, because running from the uncomfortable doesn't allow your voice to be heard.
1: Well, I've got a special opportunity for you today to hear from MJ Mingo. And actually, Melinda Joy was one of the winners of our Right Side Up Awards uh, that we presented at the end of the year. MJ, I have to say that whoever nominated you, we both know who, was really bragging on you. And we were just so blessed by your story, your resilience, your grit, and all that you're doing. So thank you for coming on the podcast. And congratulations again on that award.
0: Yeah, thanks, Alan. I appreciate it so much, and it means a lot to me as well.
1: You are a light in the community, and you're doing so many different things, uh, multi vocational, multi talented. Uh, so, give us kind of an overview uh, of all that you do. You have several different roles, ways that you serve our community, and use your gifts. Um, what are all the things that you're doing right now?
0: Yes, yeah, so I am a pastor at a ministry, an associate pastor actually, at a ministry in Colorado Springs uh, called Relevant Word Ministries. And so there I lead beside a senior pastor, which is great. We uh, we model uh, just the whole piece of male and female serving together uh, and leading together, leading a church together. And then I also have a community ministry that I pastor myself. And the name of the ministry is J-E-N-A-I, it's J-E-N-A-I. And so that ministry in the community of Colorado Springs and beyond is for people who really are not comfortable yet with a brick and mortar um, worship experience that could be people who are homeless, uh, just people who are coming out of a lot of addictions there's there's uh, people in my ministry in the ministry, for example, who um, are coming out of a lifestyle of uh, prostitution here in the city, drugs, et cetera. So we meet and we meet. Um, in, in spaces and places where we still do church, whether it's under a bridge, we gather together, it might be in a home setting, a coffee shop, et cetera. So um, I lead that ministry. I'm also a professor uh, at one of our colleges here, at Peak Community College. I'm a business and communications professor. I'm leading there. And I'm involved in the community a lot. I, I do a lot with our law enforcement personnel. I'm a uh, community trainer. For law enforcement, I, uh, a year ago, trained all 800 of our sworn personnel with the Sheriff's Department on community policing, connecting with the neighborhood. So involved in quite a few things, and also in an organization and movement, Cause I Love You, that uh, I've been a, a, a part of, and I love just serving in the community in those facets. So quite a few things. <laughs>
1: Wow. Well, I don't know what to do with all your extra time. It's not like you're up to anything. (laughs) Unbelievable uh, what you're doing. Thanks so much. Um, I am partial to our city. I love this city. The collaboration right now, I've not experienced anything like it. So many different faith tribes and leaders, churches, um, community organizations coming together. We have so many mutual friends and everybody's kind of has their little corner of the kingdom uh, and just ways that we are saying, can't do everything, but we sure can collaborate. So thanks for being part of that. It's, it's been a beautiful season in our city to watch yes. leaders step up and take ownership and, and steward what God has, has given them. So thank you for your piece in that, MJ. I'd love to hear kind of in your leadership journey, were there some people who believed in you along the way that ushered you into some of these roles and these spaces? Can you share about a few of those people?
0: Yeah, I can. Um, I actually will have to say this here, that I first had to embrace the fact that I'm a leader and I had such an identity, oh my gosh, an identity crisis within myself. And I'll say that that's, it had nothing to do with what people said to me or any of that. I just never felt good about myself growing up. And yet I was always in leadership roles. I, I started a leadership club when I was 13. I grew up in inner city Chicago and I grew up in the projects, kind of one of the worst areas ever, and I saw people around me. I I saw friends who were shot, you know, by gangs. I was at gunpoint several times. I was beat up severely, Uh, and so somehow in the midst of that, as I was told that I would never amount to anything, that I could never leave people, I just believed that 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 the Lord had put within me, it just kind of, it rose up. You know, it's interesting how during the most difficult times in your life, when people tell you what you can't do, somehow God always brings someone along who says, you know, you have to see things differently. So there's a person um, who was a, a really great friend of mine, a pastor here in Colorado Springs. Um, I, I was so broken, and I'll just say this quickly, when I moved to Colorado Springs, and I'll have to be honest on this podcast, I did not want to come to this city. And I did not like this city because I moved here. And and a few months after my husband and I moved here, my husband died of cancer. I watched him die in my arms. And I was so angry with God in Colorado Springs and didn't want to do anything here, literally hated it. And, And I'm just being honest. But along the way, one of the things that God spoke to me was that the way that I was going to be able to come out of my situation of hurt and despair was to start serving in the community. And so I reached out, I didn't have a car, I didn't have anything, I was broken down emotionally, mentally, physically, didn't feel like leading anyone. And I started my first leadership journey here at one of our, at our rescue mission, Springs Rescue Mission. I went in and volunteered. Um, I was an ordained pastor when I went to the, the mission, but I didn't want to talk about pastoring anyone, didn't want to talk about leading. And so someone there at the mission just kind of embraced me, this person, that I mentioned who's here in the city and just kept pouring into me, kept saying, MJ, yeah, you've had a lot of pain, yes, you're angry that you're here in this city, but you have to ask your question, why are you here in Colorado Springs? Why did God, God is not trying to punish you, but what is God trying to not only help you learn, but for you to impart to others? This person has walked with me, prayed with me, helped me to see myself, through the identity of Jesus Christ, mentored me. And so it has meant a lot. And even as a woman, and I might be getting a bit ahead of myself here, but even as a woman in a pastoral role, uh, I won't go too deeply into that in case you ask later, I've had such a journey. So that I've had one person who really saw God's hand on my life through the hurt that I was going through and continually encouraged me that I can still serve. I don't have to serve when I'm broken, if I don't, you know, if I'm just feeling that God is not leading me, but it's through my brokenness that I began to serve in a different way. I don't serve from an ordination. I don't serve from a, a credential I have. I serve from the heart of the Lord because I now understand that. And so I also had an older lady who was not in ministry at all, but on a practical level, who really spoke into my life, who, when I was lying on the floor, didn't have any furniture, finally got a place come out of homelessness here in the Springs because I lost everything after my husband died. I had a lady in the city who nourished me, who bought me food, who did all the practical things. And so it began to really put in my heart and just etch in my heart the love of God for for those who are broken, those who are now, even leaders, we look at brokenness just as people perhaps who are on a corner or whatever. But I just realized, Alan, that there's so many leaders who are just burnt out, who are going through things they can't tell anyone. And if there's just one or two people who will be willing to walk alongside them, it makes all the difference in the world.
1: Wow. Well, that's that's incredible. And thank you for sharing your story and you have encountered so much loss and to hear that God used these two leaders in your life to encourage you when you were at the bottom and that God used serving in your life as well um, as part of his restorative plan to, to put you back together in so many ways. Um, wow, there's so much in there. MJ, I'm curious, in those times, um, other than serving and other than people, what were some keys to you, uh, not just recovering uh, from that season and the extreme pain of that, but for you actually stepping into a space where you're now thriving in leadership, were there some other things during that season that you encountered or experienced?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really, um, some of the things are, I really trust into a place of deeper time with the Lord. I have to say that because I had gotten so busy doing until I didn't really have space for being. And so the doing part is I'd leave at four in the morning and I come home at nine at night and I'm ministering and preaching, I'm serving, I'm doing all that and not really spending time to get full, you know, of what the Lord had for me. So I spent time just in spaces with the Lord. I, you know, not with a lot of people around me, I had one space, one place. It was a park and I and the Lord would say just meet me here even if you can't do anything but just come here 5 minutes meet me here every day and I'm going to be here waiting and I would go to that park and I would sit by the tree sometimes I couldn't say anything I would take my journal I would take a bible sometimes I would not take anything I would go and the Lord began to so speak to me and strengthen me during that time I began to really eliminate even some toxic mindsets that I had, because that was a part of my brokenness too, the blame, you know, the guilt, all of that stuff. And so that was a part of it, you know, the healthy pieces of journaling, I love journaling. And so I have journals where I look back now, and I see the hand of God so deeply Mm. um, in just my life, I just see it. I mean, I would even get on the bus here, I, I didn't have a car at the time, I lost everything course, and so I would get on the Greyhound bus and go to Denver, and I would take my journal with me, and I would sit in the bus station, and I would journal for hours, and I would come back to the Springs, so I did this for a year, and God began to show me a pattern here, and a pattern of his love for me, his provision for me. He began to heal me through that. I read. I began to read. I love reading, but I began to read the things that he was really prompting me to read, for the space of healing, and I also surrounded myself with just a few people who were life-giving as well.
1: Wow. wow! Well, thank you for that and for sharing. It's amazing to see the hand of God on you, and Again, if you guys are listening, MJ received our Resilient Leader Award. She has been through a lot. The word that comes to mind when, when we discussed your story as a Stay Forth team was gritty, that you are a gritty leader who has been through a lot. You are not um, leading because, well, it was handed to you or you feel entitled, but leading in many ways because you are a servant at heart. Uh, it's incredible to hear that. I'm sure you've faced opposition in your leadership. Um, as both a woman and a person of color. So can you share with that permission to be honest here on this podcast, what are some of the challenges that you've come up against um, either being a person of color in leadership or being a female in leadership?
0: Yeah, thank you. Those are great questions. So I would say probably the same in both, but as as a woman, as a woman, as a female, it's been an interesting journey for me in leadership because my leadership, it's definitely it's in ministry pastoral, but also the marketplace ministry that I consider. I've been in the boardroom a lot and I've, I've led men a lot because of my uh, degree in global leadership and training that I do. So I've been in boardrooms a lot. I've been on Wall Street and it's interesting how when I walk in a room, um, if it's full of maybe men and not even just men, sometimes there's women who don't fully understand women in leadership roles. Um, I was leading a meeting one time and someone came in and handed me a, a notebook and said, uh, when you take notes and when you get when you're done taking notes for the meeting here, you know, we'll take them somewhere else. And so, again, I just politely responded that I'm the one who's leading the meeting. And so the persons, two people checked out. They literally started texting on their phone the entire time. When I was meeting the meeting, and would never never look at me, never look up. And I experienced that a lot because of the places that the Lord has sent me to. And it's interesting, again, because I realized that my mission in life is to help people really discover and embrace their value and their worth. And, 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 And the flip side of that is some people don't understand that value and worth is not tied to a gender. It is tied to a call that's on a person's life. And, and I believe that's part of, part of uh, the call in my life. I used to be so angry, Alan, when I'd walk into a room where I'd try to leave or even pastorally. It was a situation where I was invited to speak at a church. I'm in another city. And um, when I got there, they said immediately, make sure you put a robe on, cover yourself up. We don't want you looking like a woman when you're standing in front of our congregation. And so I asked them, what do you want me to look like? They said, we want you to look like other people but don't look like a woman and then you will not stand in our floor pit we have a podium at the bottom of the stairs and that's where you would stand and only the only reason i stayed there because of the message that i felt the father wanted me to deliver but again it's been an interesting space as a woman as a woman of color and yet somehow what I understand in all this here, rather than being angry and just saying, "Oh my gosh, you don't like me as a black woman, African American," uh, they're really against me as a woman. I just said, "Okay, God, what is it that I need to learn?" First of all, to stay in the place and the space that you call me to, and then secondly, how do I still embody love in a space where people have been so rude or disrespectful? And I wrote um, in my journal and I, in a book that I also publishing, I wrote about how I so didn't like myself as a Black woman because the spaces that the Lord brought me into, when I left inner city Chicago and all-Black areas, He brought me into all-white spaces. I have, since that time, it's been years ago, over 15 years ago, I have never been in an all-Black space. I've always been, um, in, in many, many instances. Uh, the only woman in a situation or the only woman of color in a situation. And I now know that it's because it's always been a call on my life. It's always when I've seen people in different um, situations, when like women or people of color as a whole, when I've seen them just devalue, I've always been the one to try to stand up and bring justice. And I would just say this quickly, that when I got my bachelor's degree, I was almost done and i had one class to finish and uh, the professor in the class was disrespecting different cultures and i stood up as the voice of, of justice for people and anyway i was kicked out of the school i didn't get my degree for a year and a half later i had to come back and petition because i was a troublemaker when i said to the professor you're not treating people with value and worth and so i finally did get that of course but i just know now there's a call on my life to really help people understand that, that really all people have value and worth. And we have been socially distancing ourselves, not just during a virus, but we have been doing this for years. We've distanced ourselves because of a person's culture, ethnicity, gender, even lifestyle. You know, I, I looked the other day when we got our, uh, the other week, I'm sorry, when the notice came down to Shelter in Place, and I was standing at a convenience store, coming, uh, coming out of a convenience store, there was a homeless guy, he was sheltering by a garbage can and he said to me he said we have been socially distanced for years because no one understands our journeys or there's an assumption and when shelter in place went into effect this is my place my garbage can so I would just say that I realized for every place of pain that I've had and and still have to be honest when I walk in the room as a pastor and people will not acknowledge an ecclesiastical title it's okay and they'll just prefer to call me sister because they just choose not to do it. I still realize that the mission and the vision that God has given me is tied to who he has made me to be and not people's perception of me.
1: Wow. There is so much there. Well, first of all, I want to say I am am so sorry that you have been treated in this way and sounds like continually mistreated in this way. You have been through way more than we even imagined uh, in getting the Resilient Leader Award, and you deserve that completely. And I also want to thank you for your posture and the way you're taking this back to the Lord. And um, I can't imagine uh, how painful those spaces have been for you. Give some encouragement to leaders who are the only in their space. What do you say to other leaders that are struggling to be maybe the only person of color, the only female, a female in a boardroom not expecting to lead the meeting? What would you say to that person?
0: I will say so passionately to the person, continue to be a catalyst for whatever mission God has called you to, because it's always bigger than us. And if we really think about spaces and places that we're in, lean into the uncomfortable. Don't run from it, because running from the uncomfortable doesn't allow your voice to be heard or your life to model what it needs to be. Because again, when we have a mission, I think about leadership, and I just break that down, leaders in a ship. There's a ship, it's going somewhere. And how do we lead? We lead, first of all, with integrity, with compassion, but we also realize that our pain has a mission attached to it. And so if you're the only person, whatever, even if you're a man and you're in a space, where you are not even being received for whatever reason, the reality is lean, lean into your mission, lean into your call, but don't lean on your own strength. Lean with the strength of the Lord and, and be mindful of the fact that when we think about people throughout our, our, the history of time that we look to or whatever and we say, wow, you know, look at what difference they made or, or the impact. They were a catalyst and it wasn't easy. It was not There's never anything that has been significantly done in life that has been done in shallow waters. And so the shallow waters feel comfortable, they make us feel good, but it's in the deep. When we go out into the deep spaces, the deep places of discomfort, of even being sometimes devalued, you just have to know the deep place is where faith prevails and takes over. And my encouragement again is that crisis will always reveal our commitment. Any crisis that we go through in life, it will reveal our commitment to our call, it will reveal our commitment to to the Lord, and it'll reveal our commitment to the space, even if it's uncomfortable.
1: Well, we've got a special guest on the podcast today. I actually get the privilege now of interviewing on the podcast, Madeline, who is a church planter and a pastor in kansas and i've had the privilege of walking with for almost 20 sessions uh coming up on a year and a half of our time together so madeline it's been just a great joy to walk alongside you and see you grow so much as a leader through coaching
2: thanks i've had a great coach
1: (laughs) well you've you've been hungry the whole time and that to me is the winning combination that if somebody's not hungry they're not going to grow it's a waste of time and energy and money to do coaching, but you've been such a good investment. You've been honest and you've, you've grown, but I'm curious, what led you to coaching? What were you hoping to get from it?
2: When I first started coaching or being coached, I should say, uh, honestly, I mean, I, my mindset was, I don't need a coach. I don't want a coach. Why are they wasting money on a coach? And I was so wrong. <laughs> So when I, you know, when I realized, well, no matter what, I have to do this, I, you know, I've always been one to say, I have to be honest, because if it's going to be worth money being spent, and if a person is going to coach me, they need to know, um, you know, they need me to be upfront. Um, they can only coach as much as I am willing to really uh, be sincere about. Um, and so after I think it was about session two that I was just like, whoa, wait, maybe I do need this. Maybe this is a good idea. And I think by probably about session six, I was just like, yeah, I can't envision what life would be like church planting without a coach. So I'd say again, at the beginning, every front was up possible, but at the same time, it was very quickly, all those guards were let down because I realized that just how beneficial it is to me, uh, not just on the church planting, but spiritually, emotionally, just all the different aspects of um, of being a human and being yeah. a human that's church planting.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's leadership is hard, period, and can feel lonely. And one thing that we talk about is I'm in your corner. And if that means over here, we're talking about physical health one day, and we're talking about energy levels and sleep. If you're coming up on a hard decision, you guys seen some incredible fruit in your church, have since moved into a building, you guys are serving your community. And so you are the one of the rare few that I've gotten to walk through two times through 10 tools and 10 sessions. And again, your honesty that we heard straight out of the gates. uh, We laugh at it sometimes, but it's been so helpful because it helps us know where we're going. There's no pretense to it. So it's been a complete joy, Madeline, to watch you grow in that. Is there one particular area that you feel like you're a stronger leader uh, because of coaching?
2: Absolutely. I think for me, one of the uh, things that I had difficulty and still battle with sometimes, but you keep kind of like pushing me in that direction is to make sure that I'm setting healthy boundaries for myself where I have to guard that time, treat it like an appointment. You've given me tips and tricks that are so simple and so doable, yet I never would have even thought about them to be able to guard some of that time without. Uh, appearing that I am not accessible to people. Um, And so that alone has helped me in the areas of rest, has helped me in the areas of discerning who are the people that I really need to surround myself with as far as my leaders and as far as church congregants and outside people um, that will breathe life into me versus uh, drain me. And although you have to Um, and it's a privilege to walk with both at the same time. There are certain times where I can, um, where I can deal with one more than the other. And so it's made me aware that that's okay. And it's okay to put some things on hold in order to make sure that I'm caring for self so that I can therefore care for others.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's great. That definitely has been a recurring theme and uh leaders are warriors you know and i think sometimes that gets in our way uh as as leaders that we just keep going we're gritty we're going to push through the next situation and so i love working with hardworking, strategic leaders like yourself it's been a joy Um, i wanted to end us with a bit of a a privilege Um, you uh, speak a couple different languages and actually your native tongue is spanish and you have just a cool story in terms of how you're here and even how you're utilizing that to serve people in your community um, speaking and even leading services in both languages. So, Madeline, I just wanted to ask you if you would end by sharing a prayer of blessing, um, just praying over leaders uh, who are walking through, especially these hard times the last few weeks. Would you pray over them in Spanish? Just a prayer of blessing for all of our podcast listeners.
2: Absolutely, it would be my privilege. Let's pray, Padre. Gracias por este día, Señor. Gracias por las sesiones que hemos tenido aquí y el privilegio de estar. Eh, deteniendo un entrenador como Alan señor y los de Stayforth eh, Design señor padre también te pedimos ahora por los líderes padre es un tiempo muy difícil un tiempo que cada día cambia y a la misma vez siempre es bueno saber que tú estás en control padre es darle fuerzas a las personas que están ahí al frente siendo tus manos y tus pies llevando tu palabra a las comunidades a donde lo has enviado. Dale sabiduría a ellos, cómo animar a su iglesia, cómo seguir adelante, aunque los tiempos sean difíciles, Señor. Padre, bendícelos, bendice a sus familias, provee por ellos. En el nombre de Cristo Jesús. Amén.
1: Amen. Well, thank you for that, Madeline. It's been so fun watching you grow and best of luck to you as you continue to lead as God has uniquely designed you.
2: Thank you. And same to you. Keep coaching because man it's needed.
1: Mm, that's a good word, especially in the midst of this crisis, we're trying to figure out which way is up. and And I'm with you. I don't think it is producing new things. I think it is revealing what is already there whether it is integrity, character, or cracks that are already within that. Wow, so many good thoughts. I love that analogy of deep waters, leaders in a ship in deep waters right now that are pretty tumultuous in this season. So yes. thanks for speaking in into that. We always get practical here on the podcast, MJ, about things uh, that, that we're actually experiencing personally. And So we'd love to hear from you. Are there some practices that help you to continue to stay healthy as a very involved and influential leader?
0: Yes. I really try to, um, well, number one, I love to journal still, you know, and, and I don't know, it's just something so significant for me about sitting down with my thoughts, just writing them. So that's a practice that I do a lot. And then I get a chance to go back. Um, I really am actually taking time to rest a little bit. And that's a hard word for me and it shouldn't be, but it is. I'm realizing that in this season here, practically, that being able to just sit for hours and maybe be still or lie down on a sofa or whatever, I'm taking places, you know, time to walk. I'm, I'm getting fresh air, you know, we can go out here and we can walk. I'm, I'm spending time out, I'm, I'm walking and coming back, getting sunshine, getting sunlight and, If I'm doing anything as far as um, social media, one of the things I've realized for me to really help me in this season, Alan, I can't inundate myself too much. I need to know what's going on in life in order to be prepared and to pray. But I realized I can't spend hours upon hours looking at the news on social media, on Facebook. I've had to really distance myself in this season from a lot of those things, you know, and I am on Facebook to do ministry and stuff, but I'm trying to find healthy spaces where I'm not, my mind is not just flooded. I listen to music. There's a, a place that I love. It's called Focus at Will, and it's uh, F-O-C-U-S, and it's amp sign Will, and it's on YouTube, and you can go there, and it's like music for hours that has been scientifically proven that it, it helps you to, to relax, to whatever it might be to think differently and so i go on there i listen to music and then lastly i try to keep positive things around me i mean i really do i i'm reading things that make me you know think more positive about life i'm um only looking at things if it's on the tv that are bringing some minute of joy i mean and i have to because i I minister to so many people and am ministering to so many people now who are in such a difficult place, I have to keep those practical things lined up on
1: myself. That's so good. Many times as leaders, I think we think we're we're exempt to feeling discouraged or to negative things affecting us or to, you know, just the effects of comparison that we are on social media looking around to the different people that um, we could be like, and Uh maybe in five years we'll be like them, and just really eroding our soul's Um, And really just a call back to discernment, which has been a common theme from leaders and guests sharing here on this podcast. Uh, I'm curious, is there anything that you're learning right now, um, reading, experiencing, um, listening to a podcast, a book, something on Audible right now that you'd recommend uh, to people here on the podcast?
0: Yeah, I am. So I am actually reading through a book. Um, It's called The Making of a Leader. And I'm reading through it mainly because it talks about the different seasons. life that leaders go through. Um, So it's just been, for me, a healthy space for me. Uh, I am spending more time in the Gospels, um, Mark to John, and the reason why for me is comfort. I I go to sleep now with some audio on in my ear, but um, I love the making of a leader. I've been listening to uh, a lot of different podcasts and Yours, I love, but of course, different podcasts and things that I feel are really helpful for me, you know, in this season. That, that's just kind of where I am. I do read a lot of leadership books. Um, there's one book, I can't even think of the name of it now, but anyway, it talks about, and I can actually, you know, at some point give that to you, but anyway, the book talks about um an army rising up and leading in crisis. And it's not talking about warfare stuff, it's talking about rising up to rest. And it's such a play on words that how do we rise up, to be honest about where we are as leaders. So those are the two things, the making of a leader, uh, listening to podcasts, um, and yeah, and just as things, and, and, and of course the work from Matthew to John, it's just been helpful for me again in this season. But I'm also writing a lot too, and 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 writing thoughts down, and so, and recording. I'm doing a lot of recording as well too.
1: Well, you got to let us in. What's this book that you're writing about right now?
0: Oh yeah, so the book that I, the manuscript that's being printed as we speak, it's entitled "The Colors of Culture," and it's the beauty of diverse friendships and community, and it's an interesting thing because. I wrote it two years ago and had so many things that happened and just couldn't get it going. And so finally now it's, uh, it's in process through University Press to come out in a few months. And it, the entire theme of the book is how we build community with people. And I use the term, a Swahili African term, Ubuntu, which means I am because we are. It has been in my heart as I traveled around the world doing global training, whether it's in the rainforest or jungle or Africa or Vietnam the years that I've lived there, um, I'm seeing the same thing, that we get opportunities to build community with people that we think are different than we are, and we come to realize that we are more alike than we are different.
1: Wow. And that's well, we're excited the- to... We're excited to read that. And uh, let's have you back on the podcast. All right. When your book's out, we're cheering you on in the process. MJ, you're an incredible leader. And I see why social media erupted when we announced that you are one of the winners of our Right Side Up Award. You have quite a community cheering for you. So thanks so much for investing in leaders, investing in our city, and ultimately for loving and serving those around you.
0: Thank you so much. And if I could say one quick thing here. I was thinking when I uh, got to journal, you know, the, the whole term right side of leadership and I distributed, you know, uh, the journals to other people. And it's interesting how out of all the journals that they've used, they really love, they love the journal. That really helps them plan to think through things more succinctly. And so I just want to thank you as well, um, again, for your leadership as well what you are doing and the leaders that you are coming alongside as well so that means a lot to all of us
1: well thanks mj we're we're honored to do it we serve some amazing people and uh, we want to resource leaders as much as possible so so they can continue to stay healthy reach more impact mj keep up the good work
0: thank you so much